Before we get going with this week's show, a word from many of our friends. Let's begin with the Breeders' Cup. The action continues across the country this weekend with 14 Breeders' Cup winning your in races. Keeneland hosts nine races from Friday the 7th of October through Sunday the 9th of October. Two more races will be held at Aqueduct on Saturday and Sunday. And finally, three from Santa Anita on Saturday. Coverage all weekend can be found on FanDuel TV with special coverage on Saturday on CNBC and Fox Sports 2, but also on Sunday on CNBC because I'll be on both of those shows. I won't be at Keeneland. I'll be in Connecticut, but we'll be covering Keeneland. Uh, don't miss it. The Breeders' Cup Challenge Series rolls on, and we are in the nitty-gritty right now as we inch closer and closer to the World Championships. Uh, Betmakers. Fixed Odds Betting, powered by Betmakers, is back and in effect at Monmouth Park, and the early returns are fantastic, with 70% of winners paying more on fixed odds than they are on the tote. Fixed Odds Wagering is now available throughout the state of New Jersey. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You will continue to hear more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In the Money Media Network. Woodbine. Saturday brings us a slew of stakes races north of the border at Woodbine. Leading the show is the Grade 1 E.P. Taylor Stakes at a mile and a quarter on the turf. Additionally, the Grade 2 Nearctic Stakes, the Grade 3 Durham Cup, and the Woodbine Cares and Ontario Racing Stakes all happening on Saturday. You don't want to miss out on the action. For more information from our friends at Woodbine, head on over to www.woodbine.com. Com. And last but certainly not least, Santa Anita Park. $5,000 Show Viver is back. Playing Santa Anita's free online game, select one horse a day to compete for prize money across five different categories. And again, you can play for free at santaanita.com slash contest. Speaking of, santaanita.com slash contest. $14,000 Santa Anita Pick'em has returned. An online contest mixing popular sports props, including horse racing and football, offered every Saturday and Sunday for a chance at $1,000 per contest day. And we're not done. More contests. Santa Anita's Live Money Challenge schedule. Compete against the best and win big in Santa Anita's handicapping tournaments. You can play on Express Bet or on track to go after a $5,000 bonus for the full schedule. For those contests, for more information about Santa Anita Pick'em, as well as the Show Viver contest, head on over to SantaAnita.com slash contests. Now, on to episode 133. What's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernie. Follow me on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Today is Monday, October the 3rd, 2022. It's episode 133 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, just to name a few. You can also watch and listen along over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernie or show. You will get this episode along with the 132 prior. As always, please rate, review, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Make sure the bell icon's lit up. That way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. This show, the Players Podcast, Horse Players Happy Hour. We begin the playoffs on Thursday, myself and PTF, uh, and many other things as we get closer and closer to the Breeders' Cup. And that's what this week's show is going to be about. We're going to go rapid fire at the beginning, going through some races from New York, Kentucky, and California this past weekend that may have Breeders' Cup implications. And then we'll shift and go rapid fire with week four in the NFL with some projections and some thoughts. Excuse me. So um, let's not waste any time. It's late in the day. Got a bit, been a bit of a hectic day today. So I'm going to try to just blow through these things. 
and give you some ideas and, and some will be kind of captain obvious and some you know i don't know you'll be the ones to decide if they're not captain obvious or there's something worthwhile in there but point is many races and there are many more coming up this weekend as mentioned at the top in the uh in the ad read whether it be keeneland whether it be new york whether it be california i believe there are 14 winning your in races coming up this weekend i will be in stanford for nbc i think we're on cnbc both days saturday and sunday covering racing from keeneland um and it's that time of year i I mentioned it last week now is the time to go and do your work try to get ahead of things and that's hopefully what this show without showing replays and you know going through some of the other pieces will at least help you maybe get a jump start on your handicapping maybe you take a couple notes and you you file them away maybe you don't immediately go into formulator but i would strongly encourage you after these races even if it's just a a side piece a little side you know thing that you use to kind of go through and as you're watching tape and you're taking notes uh listen to this show and listen to my ideas and either agree or disagree make a note say he's an idiot make a note say he couldn't be more right whatever your opinion is it's the beauty of handicapping uh new york saturday let's begin we're gonna go in reverse order so the champagne was the last of the big races and i'm not going over all the races it's the ones that i believe potentially have implications going forward Blazing Sevens wins the champagne for Chad Brown, 91 buyer speed figure, 110 time form U.S. rating uh, over a very, very wet racetrack in New York. Unfortunately, uh, the remnants of the hurricane and thoughts with everybody that's affected by that, whether it's down in Florida or anywhere else along the way, uh, for whatever reason. But the wet weather showed up in New York just in time for the big races. Uh, and Blazing Sevens, who I was concerned that the wet track would not be to his advantage. By the way, tip of the cap to PTF, he he tabbed this one on Saturday. We did okay with some of the races that we talked about on Saturday uh, on Horse Players Happy Hour. He liked Blazing Sevens. I liked Senor Buscador down in the ACAC at Churchill Downs. A couple of winners there, 6-1, to one, and this horse is, I believe, 8-1. to one. So, you know, if you were listening to it, it pays, as Pete would say, it pays to listen to, in this case, Horse Players Happy Hour. Um, Blazing Sevens is a an interesting horse ran fast in the debut again that that bomb and the hopeful made me think that he wouldn't appreciate the wet weather so i didn't really give him much i didn't give him much time i looked at him and said yeah of course he can you know he's already run fast but are the conditions going to be suited to his liking is he actually going to get out there and be able to strut his stuff and run to his full capability or his full potential um clearly he did and I like that he's shown that ability to be in and amongst horses. He split rivals surrounding the far turn, got out into the clear, and I thought he finished quite well. Uh, the numbers would put him. So there's some other pieces to think about as well. Where does a 91 buyer speed figure stack up presently? And then compare it to the rest of the pack, who he would be you know, taking on, whether it's a horse like Forte, who I believe we're supposed to see at Keeneland, in the breeders futurity um cave rock i believe is the horse out on the west coast for bob baffert who's won the futurity and he's got buyers of 101 and 98 i had chatted with nick luck prior to recording this for his podcast and i had brought up tyler's tribe and how i'm very interested in that horse for the breeders cup juvenile i think he would make all the sense in the world and then i quite literally right before i started recording this i read an article i believe it was from mary rampolini in the daily racing form that they're going to go to the turf sprint the juvenile turf sprint and i'm a little bit disappointed because i think he would actually have a big chance in the juvenile 
turf sprint, I just think crazy things can happen. And, and speed and turf sprints is much different than speed going around of ground. And if you're afraid that he can't get the, I don't know. It, I guess that's another conversation for another day. I was just very, very disappointed that that's the, the path that they're going to go uh, for with Tyler's tribe. So, but take him out of the equation. Blazing Sevens fits in there about as well as anyone. He's got the pedigree to suggest two turns isn't going to be a problem. He's got the connections in Chad Brown and company. Um, and he's proven himself both on a fast main track and a wet main track. So uh, no real knocks against Blazing Sevens. Dancing Buck in the turf sprint. I, I'm i not going to go deep into this because we've talked about it here on this show. Or if you're new, it's the first time you've listened. Turf sprints, not my forte. Not my cup of tea. Uh, sometimes I... I, I feel like I'm, I'm reading a foreign language that I have no, no even basic knowledge of because I see, oh, X, Y, and Z, this all makes sense. And the horse goes out there and runs eighth in a field of 10. Turf sprints just suck to me. I hate them. I get why we have them and I know they're useful. Uh, but if I never had to play another one, I wouldn't. So Dancing Bucks, 103 buyer and 121 unadjusted time form US rating, 118 uh, pace adjusted because of the slow fractions throughout. I mean, on paper, it looks good. I have no idea if it's going to translate against better horses at Keeneland in, call it four weeks' time. Uh, the Miss Grillo, Pleasant Passage. I had mentioned her when we talked about that race on Horse Players Happy Hour in that she needs to improve, but for her to win first out of the box for Suge, yeah, if you want to say she saved ground every inch of the way in the debut and you want to sort of downgrade her for that, that's fine, I, you know technically a sound logical explanation but it was a very very tight spot for her to squeeze through down on the inside up the wood and for her to be able to do that as willingly as she did first time out i thought was really encouraging and the race was run a little bit funny i mean she went right to the front as opposed to rallying from off of it but she was very comfortable out there chad's philly was right there pressing her throughout and i actually liked that at the end of the run pleasant passage was inching away from her if you really watch the final few jumps she started inching away, and I, I think that bodes well that this is now a filly who, again, goes out for a trainer who typically does better as they get older. Uh, she's shown that she can handle cut in the ground and, and slightly firmer going. She's shown that she can win on the lead and off of it at different racetracks. I, I think there's a lot to like about uh, Pleasant Passage, and I don't know that she'll be among the favorites. 78 buyer speed figure, a 99 timeform U.S. rating adjusted to a 100. The numbers seem to jive. I, I was encouraged by that performance. I, I think she's I think she's pretty interesting as far as a, a potential runner on uh, Friday at Keeneland for the Breeders' Cup. The Woodward, the race that probably everyone is most interested in, that in the Lucas Classic. Uh, life is good wins, 97 buyer speed figure, 128 time form U.S. rating with the pace adjusted number, a 126. So there is a, a fair discrepancy there, somewhere in that like 10-ish point range. The 97 buyer, I believe, would be the lowest of Life is Good's career. Buyer speed figures are not created for the runs over in Dubai. Uh, but for his official buyers, I, I believe the 97 is the only time he's never earned a triple digit. I could be wrong there, but I, I'm pretty sure. If you look at it purely on the numbers, and let's say you're using the, the 97 buyer, you're looking at it going, he's got no chance against the top three or four in the Breeders' Cup Classic, never mind just Flightline. The time form U.S. rating is not nearly as damning. 128, 126 with the, the numbers tweaked. He's still 
slower. And it, it even with that, it's a step back from the Whitney and some of his other big efforts. But my opinion has not changed on Life is Good based on that performance in the Woodward. I look at it and say, he, I, I didn't learn anything. I suppose I did. He can run on a wet track, which I suppose there, you know, there's a chance that we're going to have that in Lexington. But I wasn't crazy about him at a mile and a quarter against the likes of Flightline and Epicenter going into the race. The performance didn't do anything to make me think even less of him, despite the fact that the figs would suggest he, he regressed. I do believe it's it's a matter of a means to an end for this horse. The last thing you want to do is bottom him out in the prep for the race that you're going to need to get everything out of him. So I, I don't typically believe in the whole idea of, oh, you know, 80% cranked up, uh, this, that, and the other. I, you know, I, I, I think that can be overblown from time to time. But in an instance like this, it was a four-horse field. Law Professor, I think, is a good horse. If you'll recall, I brought him up when I, I talked briefly about that Kentucky Downs turf race. Going way back to his last dirt race at Oakland, I loved him that day. He had a miserable trip, and he was gone for seven months, six months, whatever it was. He, by no means, is Law Professor a bum, but I don't think anyone's going to you know, mistaken him for a Breeders' Cup Classic runner. And that may be, for some what sours the whole run and performance and victory from life is good my logic my feeling is if you liked him going into that race don't let the 97 buyer or even the the sort of light time form us fig compared to what he's accustomed or typically earns don't let that turn you off if anything you're going to get it you're going to get rewarded you're going to get a better price because people are creatures of habit and those that only factor in numbers there are many different camps in handicapping. I'm not breaking any news here. You all know this. But there are some people that just look at the numbers. They buy a daily racing form. They buy, you know, a program with your Equibase ratings in there or whatever, you know, Thorograph numbers, whatever they may be. And to be fair, I, I don't know what, what Thorograph number came back for with this race. But there are people that are just numbers players. I think that's a valid way of going about handicapping. But those people are going to look at it and say, this horse has no shot in hell of getting close to flight line. And arguably, he may be trending the wrong direction. The tape people are probably going to look at it and go, no, he wasn't as brilliant. He didn't get away from, you know, his competition the way that you, you would think he normally would. The pace was much softer. So in theory, he should have had something left for the stretch run. And, you know, he had to work to stay ahead of Law Professor. I, I like to put all the things together, and even having said that, putting them all together, I'm looking at it saying, no, visually it was probably the worst performance we've seen from him since Dubai. Uh, on the numbers, on the clock, probably one of the slower ones, and I, I'm i good with it. I think it was fine. He's still a, an extremely good horse. By the way, it's still a grade one. Still cashes the check. I think it was a means to an end. Let's get him, let's get a little final tune-up into him, and let's have him ready to go in four or five weeks' time at Keeneland to take on the Bear. I think it was a good effort. I really do. Numbers might suggest otherwise, but I, I think that was a solid prep. It's exactly what I would be wanting for a final stepping stone. I want to see the horse get out there. Needs to do a little bit of work. No, doesn't run a hole in the wind. 
But how well, we've seen that from time to time. That final prep, they almost run too well. And then you get to the Breeders' Cup, and uh, maybe, maybe it's taking a little bit out of them. I don't think that's the case with Life is Good. I think he has plenty in reserve, and we'll find out if he's good enough on the day. Uh, on Sunday, the Frisette Chocolate Gelato wins the the Phillies version of the two-year-old grade one in New York, an 83 buyer. I thought, I like the way that she moved around in the far turn. I thought she was a little up and down at the end of the run. Could be just inexperience. Uh, pedigree would suggest that she's going to be right there, the 83 buyer. There weren't time form U.S. ratings uh, earlier on when I was collecting the data. You know, I, I think she's fine. And I guess it's a just a bigger picture or bigger point for me with the girls right now. The two-year-old girls on dirt, I have not seen any one race that I'm like, yep, yep, she's the one. She's the one. I like her. Um, I think they're all fine. I, I don't think I've seen anybody yet. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt, is there a Philly that I've for uh, just slipping my mind that she's actually the bee's knees and she's run a giant race and I just, I, I'm forgetting her? Because um, it would be a welcome mistake I, I would appreciate at this point even if it's someone who's you know a little bit off the radar you know if somebody's at least run big visually impressive races the two-year-old girls on dirt i'm just kind of meh and we'll find out when they put them all together uh, those can sometimes be the best races both from an entertainment standpoint and from a gambling standpoint and then the pilgrim another victory for todd uh, major dude tries turf for the first time i thought he was great Oh, that was a really, really strong performance. 76 buyer, not going to knock your socks off. But big picture, first time on turf. He's by Bolt Doro, who's uh, off to a great start as a stallion. Uh, turned away a good Chad horse, who was 3-5 to five in the wagering. And I don't think that horse hung. You're going to look at it and say, well, he had every opportunity to go by, and that's true. But Major Dude did something very similar to what Pleasant Passage did the day before, where I felt like at the end of the run actually started to, to kind of inch away again. And if Major Dude has the tactical ability combined with the finish and stamina, he becomes interesting, I think. And I don't I don't get the impression that he'll be among the favorites for the juvenile turf. That's a race that historically has been uh, pretty well dominated by the Europeans. Uh, you know, we'll see what comes over. But, you know, I see no reason to think that this horse can't contend with anything else as far as the boys domestically are concerned. Big weekend for Todd. Big weekend for New York. I think these are all good stepping stones. I think I would venture a guess that most of these, I'll exclude the turf sprint, not because of the horse, but because of this guy, the handicapper. I don't know anything about him. Um, I think most of these horses are going to at least have a say. And you can make proper cases for them as far as the Breeders' Cup is concerned. Let's shift to Kentucky. The only race I'm going to talk about is the Lucas Classic. I tweeted afterward that it... I, I saw the replay a little while after, and I know it sounds like I have just like the utmost disdain for Hot Rod Charlie. And I don't mean it to be that way. I, I don't... I think he's a really cool horse. I'd love to own him. He shows up and he dances all the dances. But this is kind of what my point is. For all the people that earlier this year sat there and said, Rich Strike, 
I mean, lightning in a bottle. It'll never happen again. He's a bum, this, that, and the other. I agreed with the lightning in a bottle thing that the the setup for the Derby victory itself was was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. And I've said multiple times, he should have been 300 to one in the Kentucky Derby based on his paper. His paper was god-awful compared to the rest of the field. But he comes back, and then people looked at the Belmont and said, see, he, he's no good. Well, I've said it before. The Belmont's a terrible, terrible point to use to either confirm or deny your opinion because the race itself is like a, it's a unicorn. It's, a, it's an anomaly. The Travers showed that he's a good horse. Just missed out on a photo with Zandon. Zandon comes back, runs second in the Pennsylvania Derby. He's in just behind Cyberknife. Cyberknife runs third in the Pennsylvania Derby. If you still believe that Rich Strike was a fluke and a bum, I mean, Hot Rod Charlie, by all accounts, is a good older horse. He's a, probably a top top five, top six older horse, and he'll be in the top six, I would say, in wagering for the Classic. Just quickly, if you rattle them off, assuming they all go, which we'll talk about with the California race in a minute, Flightline, Epicenter, Life is Good, there's your three, Taba four, Olympiad five, probably Hot Rod Charlie six, you know, in that 15 to one range, 20 to one range. You know, he's a good horse. He just often finds one better than him, and he nearly found one better than him in Rich Strike, but give him credit. He re-rallied on the inside. The numbers are light, and that's that's the only, that's the tough thing, is that a 101 buyer and a 116 pace-adjusted 118 time form US rating, that might not even get you a piece of the classic. Fourth, fifth, maybe. Assuming everybody runs to their capabilities. Um have to comment on the incident you know earlier in the weekend i didn't even know about the ecuador race where where a jock apparently pushed another guy off of a horse and nearly killed him we saw the sumion thing over at longchamp like a blatant elbow which again could have killed the guy and then you see this from from leon it's like what are you I'm not brave enough, even if I was of that stature, I'm not brave enough to do what these men and women do on a day-to-day basis. But logically, what are you doing? I mean, I get it. You want to win a race. We, We have seen in other jurisdictions, race riding, herding, you name it. I mean, he damn near knocked Gaffalione into the rail. Not the horse, Hot Rod Charlie, the jock. He's laying all over him. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, that kind of thing is so idiotic. And if it was the saddle that slipped, fine. It surely didn't look like it. And the stewards aren't buying it either because he just got whacked for 15 days. Which is probably light. Probably got lucky. I mean, I said it on Nick's pod. Nick Lux podcast. You can listen to it. It's probably out now. He brought up, you know, is it time for Rich Strike to, you know, for, for a rider change? And maybe it sounds cruel, but 
I mean, look, it was a, a, a once in a lifetime setup in the Derby, but it was also a once in a lifetime ride. He weaved his way in and out, been seen a million different times. But if if Rich Strike is a borderline grade one horse, which I, th I think he probably is. Keep in mind, he's a three-year-old. He's still, you know, and he nearly just beat one of the better older horses that we've had. Maybe it's time for a grade one jock. And I, I don't I don't mean that as a slight to Sonny Leon, but I mean, he's, he's he doesn't ride in grade ones, really. If I've got a horse that rallies from off the pace, does his best at the end, I want to get a rider who does his best at the end. I want Joel Rosario. I want Rosario on Rich Strike. Preferably in the Clark at Churchill Downs. But I guess if there's a scenario in which the pace is hot in the, in the Classic, you throw him in there and you can clunk up and get a piece. I think, I think the Clark is the right call. But, you know to each their own but it had to be acknowledged i mean just it's like what what are you doing man are you, you're gonna get somebody really really hurt out there back to the horses california this is where we'll wrap up these uh oh hello sorry guys we'll wrap up this conversation this part of it anyway the awesome again defunded wins 99 buyer 120 time form u.s rating adjusted to a 123 Defunded's not winning the Breeders' Cup Classic. We can we can all agree on that. The concern now, though, is... Look, that running style for country grammar, trying to rally from a few lengths off it, I know he wasn't a mile out of it, but that running style is always difficult at Santa Anita on the main track, going two turns. You are much better being where Defunded was, where uh, Slow Down Andy was. Those are... that That's where you make your hay. So for him to try to rally, you know, I still think he should have won. But, you know, he, he was running against it a little bit. And I know earlier in the card, the horses rallied from second last and last or something like that. There are, you know, exceptions to the rule. Those two horses were, the winner, I believe, is two to five. But more often than not, at Santa Anita, if you're paying any attention to track profiles and things like that, two turns on dirt, you need to be on or pressing the lead to really, truly have a good chance. Having said that, the good country grammar wins that race, even with that trip that he pulled. And Baffert, I don't want to misquote or missay something, but he kind of made it sound like we may not end up going to the Classic because maybe he's a little bit dull. And it's so, I, I forgive me for not giving appropriate credit, but I had seen someone bring it up a few weeks ago or no, maybe it was it was first brought up a few weeks ago, but then it was certainly brought up on Saturday. And I brought it up with Nick. You look at flight line, and I th I'm going to say three horses that really tried to go at him, tried to run at him in his last two runs, Pacific Classic and the Met Mile. They haven't been the same. Speaker's Corner is the most obvious. Coming off of a giant win in the card, or he tries to run with Flightline early on. Flightline absolutely smacks him in the head. And Speaker's Corner has been a shell of himself since. And he was dreadful on Saturday. After a pretty poor performance out of Del Mar. 
Happy Saver, say what you will. Yeah, he came back and ran well in the Whitney, but the minute Olympiad bounced out of the the Foster and didn't run well at Saratoga the first time, and well, somebody had to finish second, whether it was him or Hot Rod Charlie or whatever. He came back, Happy Saver, and was terrible in the Lucas Classic. Terrible. I know, yeah, oh, he's a little bit tight. He wasn't running. And now Country Grammar, who I maintain... I think he ran his race in the Pacific Classic. I think it was probably in I think it was better than what some of the paper would suggest. And it it's almost as if he just he he got cracked. Where you you know what you're capable of. You usually beat everyone. You you're up there either beating or just narrowly losing. And then you lose by the length of the stretch. There is an element, a little bit of of I would assume it's the same as uh Think of it from a human aspect in some sort of a sporting event where early on, you know, it's it's a team you're supposed to be running with. Or you know what? Gambling contest, handicapping contest. Somebody hits something big early. There's a psychological blow where you look at it and you're like, ah, shit. I'm making it up. If you're playing in a, a pick and pray. Somebody hits a capper in the first race, $64. Now I can't I can't play the odds at this point because all my picks are in. And I got to make up, you know, I got to get to at least 65. And in all likelihood, you know, that person just got such a massive head start. There's a bit of a psychological piece to it. I would assume horses are no different. They're athletes. They're also human. Or they're also humans. They're not human. Horses are not human beings. Uh, but they are living beings. And confidence is a thing. We've seen horses that can get a little sour. They need a little bit of time off. I wonder if he just got cracked by Flightline. I mean, it's, it's it's a gift when a horse can go and do that. I mean, in terms of Flightline, to be able to go out there and you're so much better that you make good horses go, oh, God, man, I know what happened last time. I didn't get within you know 25 feet of his rear end. What am I supposed to do now? The awesome again, I don't think... Especially if Country Grammar doesn't go, I don't think that race has any impact on the Breeders' Cup. Even the Dirt Mile. Defunded, fine horse. You know, finished second in a grade one earlier this year. Wins this one here. I don't think this race has any effect on the Breeders' Cup. Um, the Lucas Classic. You know, I could see Hot Rod Charlie. I joked earlier in the year, but I think it's true. I, I'd be very interested in him as far as, like, an underneath key is concerned in the Classic. Second or third in, in exact and tries. I don't think he can win, but I think... I can see him hitting the board at a, at a good price. And maybe even Rich Strike. Maybe it's the Lucas Key. Hot Rod Charlie and Rich Strike underneath. Flight line, flight line number one. And then Key. Hot Rod Charlie and Rich Strike two and three. With all, all. There it is. Done. Boom. Bang. Breeders' Cup betting challenge. It's over. We've won. I kid. Uh, those are my thoughts about some of the races from this past weekend. We are going to have many, many more coming up next week. Next week, there's also probably a a proper handicapping segment related to Keeneland that's still in the works, but that's probably on deck as well. So it's going to be a lot to unpack. Next week's show may come out on Tuesday, maybe recorded on Tuesday. I don't fly back from, from New York until Sunday because we have two shows this weekend. So everything may get pushed back one day, but... We'll cross that bridge when the time comes. Let me know what your thoughts are about the races I've talked about and anything else 
from this past weekend from a racing standpoint as we get closer and closer to the Breeders' Cup beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Now, let's pivot to the NFL week five, four, five, week five. I said week four earlier, didn't I? Week five in the NFL. We're already there. We're already full month into the season. Uh, take a look at some games, some lines, and some projections for some players. All right, bit, bit of a mixed bag as far as the uh, NFL was concerned last weekend. Hopefully, again, more data. I think that the model is certainly on its way to getting a little bit tighter. Some games were spot on. Some of them were way off. Um, some of the big discrepancies and big swings right now, anyway, are more defensively uh, than anything any of the guys on offense are doing. Um, but, hey, it is what it is. And unfortunately for me, as is the case, it's so funny. I was listening to um, the Bill Simmons podcast, he and Cousin Sal talking about uh, going over the, the lines. And you can, you know, for the week, you pick X amount of winners, you do this, that, and the other. It's the same with the horses or any public handicapping. You always want the stuff that you put out to do well. Uh, and in an instance like this, where you're certainly not betting the entire card, uh, the I believe the three bets that I gave out last week, uh, they all failed miserably. So there's that. And I don't know if any of you bet them, but I did. So not great. Hopefully better this week. Um, and I have to burn through this because it is tub time for the baby upstairs. So we are going to do rapid fire. I won't give you all the players, but I'll give you a handful of them. Uh, Indianapolis at Denver on Thursday night. The uh, Broncos are three-point favorites. The total's 43. I've got Denver winning 27-16. to 16. Uh, Matt Ryan, 24 for 36, 212 and a touchdown. Russell Wilson, 19 for 29, 258 and a touchdown. Melvin Gordon's going to, I mean, don't get me started. I have a love affair with Javante Williams, and now he's out for the years, and he's blown out. Melvin Gordon, I don't think is particularly good anymore, but 24 carries, 72 yards and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, nine targets, seven catches for 103 yards. As far as Indy is concerned, Jonathan Taylor apparently may be dinged up as well. Uh, got an ankle thing. If he goes 17 for 87 and a touchdown, uh, Pittman, 10 targets, seven catches, 62 yards. Uh, no plays there for me, even though Denver, I have them comfortably covering that. I just, Thursday night games are a debacle at this point. I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole, maybe from a DFS standpoint, though. Uh, the Giants at the Packers, the Packers rate point favorites. This is the London game. Uh, totals 41 and a half. We've got the Packers winning by four. 23 to 19, but again, London, don't know what's going on there. I have no idea who the quarterback's going to be for the Giants. Daniel Jones got banged up. Tyrod Taylor got banged up. Whomever it is, I have the two of them. Their numbers actually projected not much different. 14 for 20, 208 and a touchdown. The real player is Saquon Barkley. 22 carries, 152 yards and a touchdown, and then three catches for 33 yards through the air. Aaron Rodgers on the other side, 17 for 27, 245 and a touchdown. A.J. Dillon, boy, this two-headed monster thing that they've got in the backfield is great. A.J. Dillon, 16 carries for 70 yards, four targets, two catches, and 19 yards to go along with that through the air. Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Adds another 22 through the air. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, nine catches for 51. Alan Lazard, three catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Houston at Jacksonville. The Jags are seven-and-a-half-point home favorites. Uh, the total is 45. I have Jacksonville winning 32-18. to 18. So maybe you look to the over there. I've got it adding up to 50. Uh, Davis Mills throwing a couple of picks, 222 a touchdown and a pick. Trevor Lawrence, 20 for 33, 254 a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Damian Pierce is starting to really feel it, 13 for 68 and two touchdowns. Uh, Brandon Cooks, 11 targets, which is the same thing I said last weekend. He's, you know, he's Mills' go-to guy. 
six catches for 57 yards. Uh, James Robinson, 20 carries, one-on-one and two. Christian Kirk, five catches for 88 yards. Uh, the Bears at the Vikings. The Vikings are six-and-a-half-point home favorites. The total's 42-and-a-half. I have Minnesota winning 29-20. to 20. So that's another one. Maybe you looked at the over in that spot. Fields, I don't know what to say. I mean, they don't throw the ball. I also don't know what to say about this projection from a yardage standpoint. This could be way off, especially, it's, it's basically saying that if he does do what I haven't projected to do, they're all going to be giant plays and probably meaning they're coming from behind. Nine for 17 for 272, a touchdown and two picks. I don't totally buy the yardage. I think it's probably 100 yards too many, but we'll wait and see. Uh, also 43 yards on the ground via nine carries. Uh, Khalil Herbert, uh, 14 carries, 92 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Darnell Mooney, five targets, three catches, 80 yards. Equinemius St. Brown, Monra's brother. Three targets, one catch for 57 yards. That's the projection. Just going on the data for the season, guys. Uh, on the other side, Cousins, 229, a touchdown and a pick. Dalvin Cook, 20 for 98 and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson, 6 for 92. And Adam Thielen, 4 for 52 and a touchdown. Uh, again, maybe you lean to the over. Uh, the Chargers at the Browns. Chargers are three-point road favorites. It's interesting. Total is 49.5. I have Cleveland winning 31-27. to 27. I'd look. I, I was initially saying looking at the uh, money line for the Browns. I believe it's 125. At that point, I'm not going to get cute. I'll take the points, minus 110. Uh, but maybe you shade to the over. Not just shade to the over. I've got to go well over. Uh, Justin Herbert, 22 for 37, 266, two touchdowns, no picks. Austin Eckler finally got it going this weekend. I've got him going for 39 on the ground and a touchdown, and then 48 through the air with a touchdown. Uh, Mike Williams, eight targets, targets, targets. Uh, I'm from Europe. Eight targets, four catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, I can't speak. Jacoby Brissett, 23 for 34, 226, two touchdowns, and a pick. Nick Chubb. 17 carries, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, 61 yards on the ground with a touchdown. Another 20 through the air. Amari Cooper, 6 for 64 and a touchdown. David Njoku, 6 for 56 and a touchdown. Uh, so again, I would go, I would lean with the Browns plus three and uh, go to the over. No, that sounds like a lot for, especially with a team like Cleveland, who typically just runs the ball, but just, man, telling you what I got. Uh, Atlanta at Tampa. Tampa seven and a half point home favorites. Totals forty eight and a half. I have Tampa winning thirty one to twenty four. So no play there. Maybe you want to look at the over, but uh, you know Brady got banged up pretty good on his arm last night. I think I texted all my buddies and was like, when he took that big hit and he fumbled it in the second quarter in my head, I'm like, he didn't look right when he got up. And then uh, Melissa Stark was mentioning it on the sidelines. I've got him going thirty one for forty two, two forty five and two. Uh, Leonard Fournette, 67 for one on the ground, 45 through the air. Russell Gage, uh, six for 35. Mike Evans, six for 72 and a touchdown. Chris Godwin, six for 43 and a touchdown. On the other side, uh, Marcus Mariota, 16 for 27, 235, a touchdown and two picks. Another 24 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Cordero Patterson, 86 and a touchdown. Drake London, six for 74. Kyle Pitts, Three for 48. Seattle at New Orleans. The Saints are four-point home favorites. Totals 45 and a half. All these numbers, by the way, via uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook from much earlier. I, I put all these numbers together. <sighs> Shit, early early Monday morning. Uh, I have the Saints winning 27 to 23. Uh, Geno Smith, 22 for 31, 249 and a touchdown. Rashad Penny, 
Uh, 82 for one touchdown, 82 and one touchdown, I should say, on the ground. Uh, Chris Olave, five for 92 for the Saints. Really, regardless of whether it's Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston, to be honest, I would, I would probably prefer Andy Dalton. I know that sounds silly, but um, if it is, I have him projected out at 19 for 25, 328 and touchdown. Uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Buffalo is a 14-point home favorite. The total is 47. I have them winning 34 to 16. Um, Josh Allen, 30 for 47, 243, two touchdowns and a pick. Another 56 on the ground with two touchdowns, so four touchdowns in all. Uh, Devin Singletary, 40 yards on the ground. Uh, Stephon Diggs, 10 for 91 and a touchdown. Isaiah McKenzie, 5 for 34 and a touchdown. On the other side, Najee Harris. I mean, the the, the yards per carry, not great. Uh, 13 for 32 and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, seven targets, four catches, 44 yards. Pat Fryermuth, uh, four for 48. I have question marks next to George Pickens because if it's confirmed that it's Kenny Pickett, Pickens clearly both a combination of the preseason and that last game, but that second half, there's there's something there. So Pittsburgh fans, you know, maybe it's a down year, but you can kind of hang your hat on that, that it seems like those two, they, they're simpatico. They got something going there. Uh, if it's Mitch, then all bets are off. Who knows? Uh, Tennessee at Washington. Tennessee is a two and a half point road fa- uh, road favorite. Excuse me, forty three and a half is the total. I have Tennessee winning twenty seven to twenty four. Maybe a lean to the over. Tannehill fifteen for twenty three, two ninety nine, and three touchdowns. Uh, Derrick Henry seventy three and a touchdown on the ground, thirty seven through the air. Uh, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, three for sixty seven and a touchdown on the other side. Carson Wentz twenty nine for forty four, two thirty nine, three and one. Terry McLaurin. Four catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Curtis Samuel, eight catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown. And Jahan Dotson, four for 37, and a touchdown. Uh, I have not one meaningful number to give you for the Dolphins and the Jets because I'm assuming it's going to end up being Teddy. I can't imagine, after all the stuff that's gone on with Tua, I cannot imagine he's playing this week. Um, so I'm just going to give you just a very basic projection of Miami 27, the Jets 19. Detroit at New England. The Patriots two and a half point home favorites. The total is 47. I think Detroit wins. I hope I'm wrong. I have them winning 26 to 24. Uh, Jared Goff, 22 for 36, 253 and three touchdowns with a pick. Um, Jamal Williams, 15 for 72. Still don't know about him on St. Brown. I assume he'll be back. Don't know who the quarterback is for the Patriots. I hope it is Bailey Zappi. Uh, I don't need to see Brian Hoyer at this point. I just don't. He should be the emergency guy. Zappy, if he goes out there and just completely, you know, craps his pants, dribbles down his leg, fine. Yank him and, and put Hoyer in, assuming Hoyer's head's all right. But I, I don't want to see Brian Hoyer. Zappy showed enough. Let him let him run. Regardless, Damian Harris, 14 for 80 and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, passing on two games because two of these teams are playing tonight. San Francisco and Carolina, Dallas and the Rams. They're both playing on Monday night. Uh, so no numbers there. The Eagles at the Cardinals. The Eagles are five-point road favorites, 49 and a half is the total. I've got Philly winning 29 to 21. Jalen Hurts, 22 for 31, 336, two touchdowns, no picks, 43 for a touchdown on the ground. Uh, A.J. Brown, seven for 127 and a touchdown. Devontae Smith killed me in fantasy this week, but neither here nor there. Five for 83. Dallas Goddard, five for 75 and a touchdown. On the other side, Kyler Murray, 27 for 47, 153, one and one. Uh, adds another 20 on the ground with a touchdown. And Hollywood Brown, 8 for 55 and a touchdown. I think the best game of the weekend, 
Cincinnati at Baltimore. The Ravens are three-point favorites. Total is 48. I have Baltimore winning 28 to 25, so I'd play the over. About to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Joey B. Joe Burrow, 32 for 50, 254, two touchdowns, two picks. Joe Mixon, 17 carries, 52 yards and a touchdown. Jamar Chase, 14 targets, nine catches, 68 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins, 7 for 73 and a touchdown. On the other side, Lamar Jackson, 19 for 34, 238, two touchdowns and a pick. On the ground, 61 yards on eight carries, adding a touchdown. Then you've got Mark Andrews, 7 for 70 and a touch. And uh, Rashad Bateman. Three for 66 and a touchdown. We'll wrap things up with the Monday night game. Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are seven and a half point home favorites. Total is 53. I have Kansas City winning by 10, 34 to 24. Uh, Derek Carr, 33 for 49, 214 and 2. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 49 and a touchdown on the ground, 17 through the air. Devontae Adams, nine catches, 56 yards and a touchdown. Mac Hollins, six for 52. Darren Waller, five for 34. Pat Mahomes, 26 for 36, 288, three touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 49 for a touchdown on the ground, 36 and a touchdown through the air. Travis Kelsey, 10 targets, eight catches, 94 yards and a touchdown. And Juju Smith-Schuster, eight targets, six catches, 66 yards. There you have it. Give me your thoughts about all of those. Any game in particular you like, think my predictions suck, this is right, this is wrong, player, whatever it may be, beneath the video player on YouTube, or on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Again, I will be down in Stanford this weekend with Randy Moss and Ahmed Farid. Uh, I believe it's Nick and Britt down at Keeneland going over winning your inaction. CNBC on Saturday and Sunday, two days worth of racing. Come check us out. We'll have some fun. I will be back home on Monday. I don't know if I'm doing the pod on Monday. Might do it on Tuesday. Um, So if you don't get it when you typically see it, just check back the next day because it'll be there. Uh, to break down all sorts of different stuff, both football, horses, anything else that goes on. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, whatever it may be, beneath the video player on YouTube or beneath the, beneath the video player on YouTube. Yeah, or on Twitter, at Bernie Runners Format. I'm, I'm talking way too fast. I gotta get upstairs. The tub is full. The baby needs to go. Uh, until next week, best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, wherever you play. In episode 133 of the Matt Burner Show.